Hello, today is Friday, February 23rd, and welcome to episode 301 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debate shaking up America. I'm NSI Senior Fellow Lester Munson. I am joined today by NSI's founder and executive director and senior advisor, Jamil Jaffer, NSI's deputy executive director, Jessica Jones, and my fellow senior fellow, Morgan Vigna. Uh, folks, we are going to talk about a dark topic today, which is uh, that tomorrow is the two-year anniversary of, of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and there could not be more of a mystery about what the future holds for Ukraine with respect to uh, what the heck Russia is doing inside that country. Uh, President Zelensky went on Fox News last night, interviewed with Brett Baer, uh, made an appeal for more assistance. Brett Baer basically asked him what would happen if there's no American assistance uh, he said, well, Ukraine would survive, but not all of us, which is, uh, uh, I think, a comment of great moment. Uh, there are uh, a lot of factors at play here. Uh, a lot of international actors are involved. Congress is considering a supplemental appropriation that would provide aid, that could provide aid to Ukraine through the rest of the year, through uh, the election, the American presidential and congressional election in November, or not. The, the Congress might not pass it. Uh, we can discuss that. Uh, Morgan, I want to throw it to you. What do you see as the future of Ukraine in these uh, dark and uncertain times? You know, I wish I had better, a brighter, a brighter, opti more optimism here. Um, unfortunately, um, really since the beginning, uh, since Russia invaded Ukraine, we have seen a U.S. administration unable to articulate a U.S. strategy for how this war ends with Ukraine pushing back Russia from its territory and restoring its territorial integrity. Um, not only that, but we've seen a lack of momentum by Congress, a very divided Congress, on how to support to continue U.S. security assistance for Ukraine. Um, I, it's not going in the right direction here. And I think Zelensky made a really appropriate point um, during his speech was that it is actually more cost effective for the United States to support Ukraine with the assistance that it needs to push back Russia, to push back all of the arms that our adversaries, such as Iran, are sending over to Russia to kill Ukrainians. It is more cost effective for us to support Ukraine rather than the long term for which Russia would take over Ukraine and then pose an even more existential threat to Europe. So clearly, we've, we've seen a lot of bad actors here, not only uh, Iran, as I mentioned, which is supplying not drones and ballistic missiles, but we've seen China, we've seen talks with North Korea. So I, I, I think this is, this is broader than just Ukraine for the United States. And really, this administration has just not demonstrated that uh, that level of how we are going to not only address Ukraine, but the, the larger global picture here about U.S. abdication of leadership. Jamil, I want to uh, I want to ask you what U.S. strategy should be. I know you're going to say something like we should support a Ukrainian victory. Please define for us what a Ukrainian victory would be. Yeah, look, the problem, as Morgan rightly points out, is this administration has never had a plan for Ukraine winning this war. It's been uh, an effort to just get as as little weaponry in the fight as possible to not to not get Russia to get too aggressive, uh, but not really to get Russia out of Ukraine. And so, to, for me, the answer to what victory means is at a minimum, at a minimum. 
rush out of all the territory it's taken thus far in eastern Ukraine, at a maximum, rush out of Crimea as well, right, and no longer posing a threat. Now, they're not going to take out Russian weapons long term, right? So at a minimum, what they need to do is get Russia out of the territory it has. In order to do that, that means they've got to hit Russia behind its own lines. That means you have to give them long-range weaponry, weaponry that this administration has consistently failed to give the Ukrainians, even today, even if the current package were funded, that wouldn't be in the package. And so it's not a pro- it's not a question of just this package, which is critical, um, and, and Republicans and Democrats should support this package, but it's about the fact that this administration has never had a plan for winning this war in Ukraine on behalf of the Ukrainians. And look, that's part of their entire problem worldwide. They won't really push back against Iran. They won't really push back against China, right? They want to half-ass everything, and this is what happens when you half-ass it. People don't see you as serious. They don't see you as strong. They see you as weak. This is not peace through strength. This is war through weakness. It's no shock the world is on fire. It's the administration's fault. If they want, if, if they want the money for Ukraine, they can, get, they can get Republicans to support it. They have to have a plan for winning. They don't have one right now. Uh, Jones, I want to ask you about what Jamil said, which I uh, amazingly largely agree with. Uh, that that would seem to put us in the position, if, if he is accurate, and I think he is, that uh, there, there's a muddle here in U.S. strategy to help the Ukrainians. That would that would mean we're looking at a war of attrition. How does Russia do historically in wars of attrition? I mean, they're going to outlast us, and that's what Putin has been banking on. I think he was surprised with the unified European response. I mean, Europe has increased assistance. I mean, on non-military aid, they've supplied more than the U.S., um, that's going to run out at some point. It's, you know, just like election season here in the U.S., there's elections across Europe. You, you've seen the pushback. And Putin is waiting both for our congressional, our presidential elections to see what happens. And he's going to do that with Europe. Um, and to Morgan's point, we see, you know, this this conflict has really shown the growing block between Russia, China, Iran, and the divide between that and the West. And it's 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 really evident. Um, and, and, you know, to pass a victory, it's not just here in the U.S. You know, polls across Europe show most Europeans don't think Ukraine's going to win. So even though their governments are supplying Ukraine, the average European doesn't think Ukraine's going to win. So if that's what they're thinking on the continent, I mean, it's no. I mean, Joe Biden needs to come out with a really strong plan. He needs to win over the American public to be able to get the support that Ukraine needs. You know, and in, here's my point. In order for that to happen, Jones, and I totally agree with you, the president has to do his job. That means he needs to be giving speeches. He needs to be traveling around the country. He needs to be talking to Americans. He needs to be putting pressure on Congress. He needs okay. to send his cabinet out to the hustings to be out on really uh, effectively on a campaign trail, a campaign to win support for Ukraine for a strategy that actually makes sense, that can actually win. The White House is doing exactly zero. zero. Of that. <laughs> if, if the only thing they're really doing, the president is kind of going out there and making a few campaign appearances, which he has to do to kind of keep the ball in the air on re-election in November. But there is there is no policy advocacy happening at all. The machinery of the White House is dormant. And that is the that is the real issue here, I think, when it comes to the president's fitness to do his job. He's not actually doing it right now. And Ukraine is suffering not to absolve anyone else for their role in failing to help the Ukrainians. And I'm, I'm looking at you, Republicans in Congress, some of you. But the White House has the lead on this. The president's job is to carry out U.S. foreign policy. He's not doing it. Okay, that's a wrap. Thanks so much to Keelan Wolf, Claude Jennings, and the NSI staff for their help in producing today's episode. Join us again on Monday, February 26th, for another episode of Fault Lines. 
the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security and foreign policy debate shaking up America. Fault Lines is now on YouTube. So check out our channel for a video of today's episode. For our lighthearted light conversation today. All the Yay. positivity. Who wouldn't want to watch? Uh, so check out our channel for a video of today's episode. If you like what you heard or saw, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Have an uplifting and wonderful weekend. <laughs>